Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Let us pray. Father, I praise you. I praise you for the victory of last week. Six baptisms, Father. And so many more to come. Father, these are people that have decided to take that, that next step in life, in the Christian life. Father, one of the things that I told all six of them last week, Satan's going to do everything he can to penetrate because of the step that we're taking. I told all of them the same thing that you told me after I made that decision. I just thought I was getting attacked then and it gets so much worse afterwards. But Father, the great news is, and they know this now, it's so much easier because you're with them. Father, of those six, I continue to claim protection over them. Father, your protection. Today, you've got me going into this second sermon on the series of the armor of God. Your armor, Father. The armor that you give us. It's not something that we put on. You give it to us. Father, not only those six, but everybody else in this room, we all struggle with spiritual warfare. It's real. Father, I just ask that through this series, Father, that you equip each and every person in this room with the armor and the weapons that they need to put Satan right back below his feet, right back below our feet, where he belongs. Father, in this moment, I need you to anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Father, I need you to take away my pride, my fear, my nerves. Father, I ask that you take all of that away from me. You cast that into the sea, Father, and you replace it with your boldness, your strength, your courage. Most importantly, Father, your love. I ask that you get me out of the way, Father, that you take over for this message. And Father, I ask all of us in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. Two weeks ago, we started our series on the armor of God. We discussed uh, where uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul described who our enemy truly is, right? So who's our enemy? Somebody give me give that answer. Who's our enemy? It's not people. It's Satan, right? Okay, so that was explained to us from, from Paul. Uh, then we learned about the first piece of armor, which is the belt of truth. Um, today, I want to continue this series. We're going to discuss the second piece of armor that Paul mentioned again, which is the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, pull up that picture of the breastplate of righteousness. Okay. This is, you know, when I look at this picture, I had an option to pick out a lot of different pictures for this, right? But I, I picked out the one that's bowed up, you know. Because, like, I'm going to put a chest plate on, I'm going to look bowed up, right? I mean, like, that's what we want to do. There's nothing wrong with that. But, guys, here's what I need you to understand. Regardless of how long you've been a Christian, 
regardless of what you may look like physically, if you're spiritually strong in God, that's your breastplate. Amen? Y'all follow me there? You're bowed up. Walk with boldness in that. There's a man that died and went to heaven. And uh, when he got there, you know, he gets through the gate and so forth. He sees Jesus. And Jesus comes up to him. And they're visiting. They're talking. And this man that they're walking around heaven, he notices there's clocks everywhere. So he asked Jesus, what are these clocks? He said, they're called sin clocks. He said, well, what do they do? He said, well, you know, every time you sin, that clock starts to move. Like the second half. So, okay, well, they're walking a little bit. He notices a clock. And clock's not moving real fast. It's moving kind of slow. And Jesus says, that's the good Christians. That's the ones that don't sin as much. Okay? So, all right. Keep walking a little bit, and they come across one that's moving very slow. Almost looks like it hasn't moved. And so, well, who is that? And he said, Well, you know, that's that's uh, Mark Luther King Jr. He said, You know, that's uh, that's Billy Graham. That's their clock. Right? So yeah, he's like, Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. He goes up, they walk in, they're walking, and they come across this one area, and he can see where there were clocks up, but now it's just like an outline, you know, because there was something behind it. anyway. He can tell there were supposed to be clocks there. And he says, well, Jesus, what are those clocks? He says, those were the politicians. Yes. He said, my father used that as his air conditioner in his office. <laughs> I want to go back to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 14. Now, Mike, you may pull that up. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the, day, excuse me, in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, so if you look at the bottom of this, you look at this verse 14, you start with the truth, right? You, you start with this word. This is the truth. We talked about this two weeks ago. You have to know that to understand righteousness. So you need to understand when you're putting on the full armor of God, it all starts with the truth. Who's the truth? Jesus. Amen. Jesus Christ. Thank you. After you learn the truth, you are now ready to start putting your armor on and put on this breastplate of righteousness. What is righteousness? Mike, if you could pull up that definition. The standard God requires for people to become acceptable to him. Simply put, righteousness is God's standard. When I was a kid, uh, I grew up, I was not a good basketball player at all. Listen, I'm five foot ten. Okay. So, but my, my dad saw that I kind of enjoyed it, so he bought me a basketball goal, and it was really cool. Like, I don't know where he got it made, but it was, it was really cool. Anyway, so it's this big giant basketball, and I go out and I shoot. You know, set at ten feet, and, and and I struggle to get it up there. Okay, and uh, so 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 I realized you could lower it, so I lowered it. I got it to about seven feet. All of a sudden, I was Michael Jordan. You know what I'm saying? But the problem is, guys, that's what the world has done. The world has lowered God's standard, and that's exactly what I did as a child, right? 
I mean, I might be looking like Michael Jordan on a seven-foot goal, but then as soon as I went to play the league with a basketball game, it was pretty bad. Ooh, he passed me the ball, you know? We cannot lower the standard of God. Amen? Do not be conformed to the ways of this world. That's a big, that's a big problem, obviously, that we have. In order to be righteous, you must hit that full standard of God. The opposite of righteousness is wrongness. Now, some of you are going to say, no, it's unrighteousness. Listen, I'm from Cass County. It's wrongness. Just roll with it. We have some people here from Cass County today. Y'all be rude. Just play along. Christian head nod. Amen? Thank you. You see, wrongness is an invitation for Satan and his homeboys to show up. You know, how many times have you gone on vacation and... Um, I know I'm, I'm really, I'm actually pretty good about this. Right before we leave, you know, I bag up all the trash in the house. All the trash. Get the trash out, right? You know, because you're going to be gone a week, you know, or, you know, some of y'all got more, a lot more money. You're gone two weeks. That's okay. That's cool. I'm not jealous. <laughs> so you're gone a week, and if you leave trash in the house, what does trash attract? That's enough. <laughs> roaches. Oh, yeah, right? Roaches. You know what I think of roaches? You know what I think of? Men in black. How many people in here seen the movie Men in Black? That's some funky looking roaches, man. And they're like the size of us. Like, that's what I picture Satan's devils looking like, like these roaches, right? Wrongness and unrighteousness is an invitation for Satan to come into your life and into your home. This is why it's so important to put on the breastplate of righteousness. The problem with righteousness, though, is this. God's righteousness is perfect. Right? Yes. God is perfect. I think we can all agree on that here, right? Not a trick question. Can we all agree on that? Yes. How do we reach this perfection? Let's face it, guys. We, we suck. We can't. We're going to mess up. We're going to screw up. We cannot reach God's true righteousness. It's impossible. I mean, Adam and Eve messed all this up for us back in the garden when they allowed sin into the world, right? We cannot again live up to this. In fact, it's biblical. Pull up Romans 3.23 for me, Michael. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who you are. Sorry, that's the wrong verse. <laughs> 323, Mikey. Yeah, it's on there. Trust me, it's on there. It, it, it doesn't matter. It's the verse that says 323. Oh, did you find it? Y'all <laughs> get Mikey around. <laughs> That's right, okay. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ uh, when he freed us from the penalty of sins. Okay, so for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So biblically, right, like we understand this, we cannot, it is impossible for us in our flesh to equal God's righteousness. Okay, it's not just me talking, this is biblical. Amen? 
what we do here. So right now, you need to understand it just can't happen. you got to get that in your head. And let me tell you something. Don't pretend like you can't. Don't do that. How many people in here know somebody like that? Show your hand. How many of y'all, it's the person sitting next to you? Don't show your hand. <laughs> about to get, I was about to get some hope from you. A lot of trouble right there. Right? Don't be a hypocritical Christian, guys. People that put on a godly front usually have all kinds of hidden traps. How many uh, y'all hear me talk about this a lot? You know, I like Friends. Friends is the greatest TV show of all time. Not even close. You know, saying that that was crazy. I'm like, you lost your mind. Like, I fall asleep. Anyway, so Friends, greatest TV show ever. Okay, so how many of y'all know who Monica is on Friends? Okay, she's like this clean freak, right? You know, like the house has to be spotless, everything has to be good. How many of y'all seen the episode where she has her hidden trash? Y'all are not true. Okay, thank you, Tim. We got one true friend talking. Good Christian. Good Christian. <laughs> so friends. So Monica keeps the house clean. She's crazy about herself. What everybody's like. She's obsessed with it. And it drives everybody crazy. But then they have this closet in the apartment. And I think it's Joey and Chandler. And finally they get it open. And it's just stuffed full of trash. That's an unrighteous Christian. And I need you to understand something. You gotta take the trash out. Because here's the thing that you need to know about Satan. Satan again, just like a rope, he'll sniff the trash. He'll find it. He'll get in that closet. And the next thing you know, you got a hundred of them in there. Don't think you can hide that trash. <laughs> no. You can try and pray those roaches away. I mean, listen, you can walk in there with anointing oil, you can slap it all over your house. I mean, you can do that. But if you don't take the trash out, you got to do your part. Those roaches aren't going anywhere. We have a dilemma. If God's righteousness is impossible to meet, what are we to do? You have to put on the breastplate of righteousness that God given us. That breastplate protects your chest. Christian words, what's in your chest? Thank you. Why do we want to protect our heart? Every part of your body flows from your heart. The blood that's pumped out of your heart flows through your body, right? It's what keeps us alive, it's what keeps us healthy, it's what keeps us going. So you want to protect your heart. If you're in battle, that's the main piece, right? You want to protect your heart. Some of y'all would say your head, but some of you are so hard-headed, I don't think you're alive. <laughs> if your heart is not right, the rest of you is going to be wrong. Let's go look at Proverbs 4.23. Most of y'all know this since Mike already put it up on the screen. <laughs> Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Give me just a second. 
come back. Um, how do you put on the breastplate? Let's go to Ephesians 4, 21 through 22. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. I need y'all to understand these two verses before I go any further in the sermon. Okay? You've heard about Jesus. You've learned about the truth. All of your sinful nature is now gone. Which was nothing but lust and deception. Before you met Jesus Christ, there was no way, any way possible whatsoever that you could reach any type of righteousness in life. It's because of Jesus Christ that we can, right? Some of y'all are looking at me like that. It's very elementary. People preach that every Easter Sunday. Just remember this verse. Let's go to... No. Yeah, let's go to Ephesians 4. Let's do 24 through 23 now. Sorry, guys. I've got like... I feel like he's trying to tell me to like stay in this one area. But I mean, let me get this out of the way. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new attitude, your new nature, created to be like God. Truly righteous and holy. Okay, so here's what I need you to grasp. Jesus Christ, now that you know Jesus Christ, now your heart has been changed. There's no longer lustful desires. Let me rephrase that. Those do happen. But, but the thing is, is when the Holy Spirit is now inside of you, as long as you let him run your life, as long as you are obedient to him, those desires, those temptations, have no chance whatsoever it's our own flesh, obviously, that brings that out. And as long as you don't have that breastplate on, now your flesh is exposed. Your heart is exposed to those temptations, to those threats. But with Jesus Christ, we're covered. So, how in the world do you, do, do you, do you still, how do you, how do you protect it, though? Like, Michael, okay, I know I need the truth to do it. I know I need the Bible. I know I need Jesus to do it. But what good does that do me if I don't know where to take it from? I'm going to break it down for you guys very simply. Most of y'all know what meditating is. And if you meditate on worry and anxiety and fear, it's covered your heart. Right? But if you concentrate on his truth, which is the word, which has nothing to do with that job, your heart's protected. You have to protect your heart, right? So I'm going to break this down simply. Here's an example. Let's say you struggle with fear. Mikey, pull up 2 Timothy 1.7. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So instead of meditating on fear, meditate on 2 Timothy 1.7. Let's say you struggle with worry and anxiety. Mikey, Psalms 55.22. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. And then the last one, if you're struggling with the temptation, it could be drugs, alcohol, um, lust, whatever it may be. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. 
but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So here's what I need you to understand on temptation. Satan tells you you can't handle this temptation. The word tells you you can. Meditate on the word. Don't meditate on worldly things. Don't meditate on what people are telling you. You meditate on what God is telling you in this book. And when I say that, I know you're like, this is so simple, this is so easy. Then do it. Then do it. That's the whole part of it. Mike, I've heard this sermon before, but did you do it? I'm sure there's been 2,000 pastors preach this exact sermon. That's great, but did you do it? You see, I can stand up here and preach at y'all all day long. I mean, I can stand up here literally for two hours. I'm not going to do that because I'm hungry, but I'm just saying I can do that. But unless you grasp it and you walk out the door with it, you're going nowhere. You've walked out of here defeated. Take it and run with it, guys. That's what Christian warriors do. Got all excited and lost my memory. When it comes to protecting your heart, this is huge. You must stay away from the things that affect your heart in a negative way. James 4 7 tells us, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So if you got temptation, stay away from them. Don't even get around them. Protect your heart. The more you're around, you could be like, but I'm built strong right now. Like I'm doing good. You know, I, that stuff ain't gonna bother me. You want that? If you've got a temptation that you struggle with and have struggled with in your life, and you're thinking, but man, I've been a Christian now, I got baptized, I'm doing good, I, I've stayed away from these things for five years, guess what? Just go dip your toe and see what happens. Stay away from it, guys. Stay away from it. Anything that's going to affect your heart. Anything negative. Resist, and he will flee. Right? We talk about that verse all the time. Stay away from your weaknesses. We all know our weaknesses. Okay, Micah, this is all well and good, but how do we reach God's righteousness? Now we're back to the same problem. You told me how to put this breastplate on, but God's righteousness is perfect. How do I get to God's righteousness? How do we even put this breastplate on that I'm not worthy of? Romans 3.23 again tells us that we all fall short, but I want to go back to Romans chapter 3 and look at Romans 3.22 and 3.24 again. Mike. We are made right. No, you had it right. You had it right. Had it right. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Okay? For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glory standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ. When we freed us, when he freed us from the penalty of sin. Okay, you're like, Mike, you just read that a minute ago. Yeah, but I bet this part didn't stick. This, this is the part I need, to, I, need, I need to get this, okay? The church has abused the word righteousness. I'll repeat myself. The church has abused the word righteousness. 
The church says we have to be perfect. But God knew we were never going to be perfect. So why does the church tell us we have to be perfect? What this verse tells you is, is he knew good and well that we suck. So he sent his son to die for all the stuff we suck at. two righteous two righteousnesses is that a word? Amen. Amen. In past counting that is a word. Two types of righteousnesses. You have God's and then you have God's righteousness for us. We'll never reach God's righteousness. But we will reach the righteousness that he has for us, which is Jesus Christ. Y'all following me? Yeah. Not going to be perfect. Again, we're going to suffer. We're going to mess up. But what this is telling us is every time we mess up, that, that's not that's that's not the part that's being unrighteous. The part that's being unrighteous is not going back to Jesus. That's right. When you stray away, now you're unrighteous. You're gonna mess up. God knew it. That's why He did this. Righteousness for us through God is Jesus Christ. Y'all follow that? Yes. I sat up here and blabbered this whole time to get that point across. Did y'all get that point? Our righteousness is being exactly who God made us to be. Individually, who God made us to be in Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm going to explain that. God made you a certain way. He made me a certain way. He made all of us with different characteristics, different quirks, right? Being authentic to who you truly are is being righteous. And you think about this. God made you. He made you who you are. He made you with the characteristics that you have. Right? When you try to be somebody you're not, you are no longer righteous. Because if you are who you are, and it's you and Jesus Christ, it's righteous. Don't think you have to be somebody different. Our church is very authentic. In fact, we've, we've had a lot of people that have come through this church um, I'm going to explain it this way. Those of you that are sitting here and have been coming to this church, you're authentic. The ones that aren't going to stay. That's just the truth of it. I don't have a problem saying that. God told me from day one, 
I called you to pastor that church the way you were at that point. Don't change. Don't try to be somebody different. Don't try to be Billy Graham. Don't try to be Tony Evans. The reason that those two men are successful with their churches, the reason that God blessed them is because they are authentic. They're exactly what God made them to be. See, God made you a certain way for a purpose. Right? We all have a purpose in life. And if you grasp hold of what he's made you, the characteristics that you have, if you grasp hold of who he's made you in Jesus Christ, the purpose he has for your life will be complete. Authenticity is righteousness. I'm going to close up with this. Um, again, a lot of uh, a lot of churches have taken that word and used it. The world has definitely used the word righteousness. We feel like we have to live up to a certain standard for the world. The only standard that you ever need to be worried about is living up to the standard of God. And again, his righteousness for us is we can make mistakes. We can mess up. Regardless, he's going to love us anyway, right? That's the power of the love of God. I need y'all to understand that's what this all boils down to. Anytime you hear a sermon from a pastor and it confuses you and you don't quite grasp everything, the main point that I hope that that pastor is getting across to you in every single sermon is no matter what, God's love is This church, the authenticity of this church, we talked about this yesterday at Men's Bible Study, is a big reason why people stay. When I ask a family that comes, you know, what, what got you here? What, what is it that drew you to this place? First thing they usually say, 99% of the time, is man, the Holy Spirit is thick in heaven. But then the next thing they say is two things. It's family or it's authenticity. It's the most authentic church. Guys, that's just church. I mean, we all come in here with a lot of baggage, a lot of trash, right? Why, why do we hide it? Why do we try to act like the world wants the word righteous to be? You need to act. God wants righteousness to be for us. Humble yourself. It's not about being perfect. But I'm going to tell you one more thing. You can have fun and be righteous. Okay? You have fun. I mean, listen, we come in here, which, you know, I don't know how Will Mikey had playing earlier. But you walk in here, there'll be Journey playing. You know, there'll be, there'll be uh, uh, who else we got playing all the time? The Train, you know, different music like that. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. We're having a good time here. It's a, listen, you can have a good time and be righteous. One of my favorite things to do, Sadie was back here in my office with me, or, or studying with me earlier this morning, and, and we're listening to everybody laughing and cutting up, and I even heard somebody like, pick at somebody, and, and, and I told Sadie, I said, this is what it's all about. 
big family out there. I want y'all to think about it. You're laughing, you're having a good time, you're cutting up, and this room is full of righteous people. None of all having a good time. In fact, I've said it many times, I promise you, Jesus Christ had a good time. <laughs> you can't get 12 men to follow you for three years if you're not some kind of fun. You know, get 5,000 people to listen to you preach, minimum, there's 5,000 men, when you talk about the women and children, but anyway, 5,000 people to listen to you preach if you don't have the characteristics that God has given you. True righteousness is being who you are in Jesus Christ. Amen? Grab a pen and paper and write this down. How do I do math? Yeah, That's not bad. <laughs> Matt said he's going to time me today, so he's got things to do after church. <laughs> shame on him, shame on him. Just for that, we're going to do four songs of worship. <laughs> Go ahead, Michael. There are only two kinds of people the righteous who think they are sinners, and the sinners who think they're righteous. I get choked up because I used to be that second one. I always thought I was that righteous Christian, you know? There's nothing that comes out of there but pain and agony and defeat. You need to make sure that you understand that you are a sinner. You are a sinner. And thank God he sent his son down here to die for every one of our minds. 